0: Hello, welcome back to the Made Whole Podcast. I took a little break last week and I'm excited to be back to talk about vasovagal syncope. I know this one has been a while coming and I know I've talked about it before, but I feel like I've just learned a lot more and just wanted to share about it. So this is just kind of my journey with this I don't even know. Like some people call it a disease, some people call it a disorder. Like I don't even know really what to call it, but um just yeah, something that I'm learning to live with. And yeah, but before we even dive into all that cuz it's a whole it's a whole topic, wanted to do some life updates. I don't feel like anything super crazy or exciting has happened this past week we or i guess it's been 2 weeks since i last recorded but i know we did the trunker treat which was super fun and yeah it turned out super cute and then um i've been doing trainings for my work so i feel like that has consumed a lot of just time and a lot of learning about different modalities and um, also learning a little bit about, like, the work that I'm going to be doing, what that looks like, and new systems and everything, so I feel like it hasn't felt too exciting recently, which is totally fine, because I've just been in, like, in the zone of just, like, learning and felt like a student again, which has been really nice, um, and then Ray and I have gone to the beach a few times, actually, in the last few weeks, I think the last two weeks we went, like, three or four times maybe. Um, It felt like we went a lot more than we normally do. So we had a fun little beach day the other day and it was just super relaxing and the water was freezing, but we went in and it's like crazy to me that it's November and we can be (laughs) in the ocean. And like, I mean, obviously it was cold, but like the fact that we can still be at the beach and it's sunny, I just love... Southern California for that reason. So that's just kind of a little bit of our life update. I finished that terrible book that I was reading that I was like, would not recommend. It's so boring. And I started reading a new book. It's called, um, I think it's called Most Fun We Ever Had. And I'm not halfway through it yet. So it feels almost wrong to give a review about it, but it's not terrible. I actually really like the book, but I don't know if I'd recommend it, if that makes sense. It's just not, it's not my typical style of book. There's a lot more profanity than, like, I would prefer to be reading. But also, like, I feel like it fits really well with the characters. And it, to me, also shows, like, how much hurt and struggling they're having. Just the way that they choose to cope with the certain things that are going on in their lives. And so, yeah, it's been a very interesting Book, and there's, like, a main love story between the parents, which is, like, the sweetest love story ever, so, um, yeah, it's basically, like, this love story with this, like, older couple in their 60s and then the lives of their four daughters and how their love story has, like, positively impacted their daughter's lives or negatively set them up for unrealistic expectations with love. It's just, yeah, it's a really cute story and I am enjoying it. I just don't know if it's, like, the best book ever so i'll keep you updated maybe it will end and i'll feel different but that's my life update for the week or the weeks there's not a ton going on but um yeah we can just dive right into today's topic which i feel like not a lot of people know about vasovagal syncope or even just forms of dysautonomia in general which is like, totally understandable, and not a lot of people, like, if, if they don't have it, don't really think about it, so it's not, like, something like cancer, when you say cancer, almost everyone knows what that is and what it's like, so, um, yeah, there's just, like, a whole other world of even not just within dysautonomia, but within just chronic illnesses in general, which I have a belief that a lot of and I know it's not just me that has this belief. There's a lot of research that s- states that this is true, but the belief that a lot of the chronic illnesses we have now that maybe were around a long time ago or even if they were, a lot of it stems from trauma, whether trauma that's happened to us or trauma that can be passed down generally generationally. And so I definitely feel for me personally that my experience with vasovagal is definitely trauma-related or generational trauma-related. And maybe I'll feel differently in the future, but from what I've, like, learned and read and experienced, I'm like, that's what resonates most with me. So, um, anything that I talk about today, I'm not a medical professional. So, if you feel like you... This is for... Me entertainment so it's not meant to like fully educate you obviously please do your own research and visit your own doctor um things I'll be sharing today are either resources I've found from different articles or from a book that I have called Managing Vasovagal Syncope and Anxiety by Dr. U- Ulysses Gamberger, I believe and then um my own experience and I feel like my own experience is most valuable because obviously everybody is different so one person who has vvs maybe will react differently to something so it is very unique to you so um yeah we can just kind of start there now that that's out of the way um so basically this past year i've learned a lot more about what vasovagal syncope is I was diagnosed technically when I was 12 um because that's when I first started experiencing specifically fainting episodes but there weren't at least that I can remember there weren't a lot of other physiological symptoms that would happen besides the kind of lead up to the- whoa whoa my new my new mic is going crazy um, there weren't a lot of symptoms leading up to the actual like, or other symptoms besides the fainting, so growing up, at least when I was 12, what I can remember is not really feeling scared or nervous that it would happen again, there wasn't, like, this fear of, like, oh, I'm gonna be in public again and faint and hit my head or do this or that, I just kind of was, like, okay, this happens from time to time, and I think, too, when I was 12, it felt very manageable, it didn't happen too often, um, But also part of me kind of has realized more this year that maybe I've blocked out a lot of what's happened because there will be instances where a friend or my mom or someone will remind me like, oh, remember that time at blah, blah, blah when you passed out or this happened and I don't remember it at all. And like even them bringing it up doesn't jog my memory. So that kind of scares me a little bit because I'm like clearly something happened and I don't remember it. But I think yeah, the actual, like, intensity that I started to experience with vasovagal started to happen when I was 16, and, or actually when I was 15, I don't know, 15 or 16, um, and, yeah, things just started to get a little bit more intense, a lot more of a physiological reaction to things, felt very out of control, very scared, that's when a lot of the anxiety of a lot of of mainly around the the fainting would start to happen um which totally makes sense and it's very normal that's why in this book that i have that i'll be kind of like going through um to explain some of this that's why it's like vasovagal syncope is like paired with anxiety it's because it can be very anxiety inducing if you don't know when your next attack is going to happen or fainting spell and like There will be seasons in my life where I feel like the idea of a fainting spell doesn't really seem that overwhelming or that scary and I feel fine if it were to happen and then there's other seasons where like maybe the last fainting spell was like really traumatic and so then I do start to get really fearful of like okay if this happens again how will I be safe is mainly like my big question because I will be unconscious so it's like how do I know if I'll wake up again or if I'm alone especially a lot of the fear creeps in there or there's been times where I've hit my head pretty bad and I've been alone and so there's just a lot of like fear that comes with it because it's not just like honestly you feel so much better when you pass out. When you're having one of these episodes and you pass out, you're like, okay, it's scary but like you passed out but it's the unpredictability of being able to control that episode that kind of creates a lot of fear and wanting to be all I want to do is be in a safe place and be at home with Ray or at home with my parents or honestly just in a home base is what I just crave because things feel a lot more predictable and I'm just with safe people so that's kind of my experience in a little bit of a nutshell but we can dive into I'm going to be reading from this book of kind of what vasovagal is and what i've come to understand it to be so this book describes the one that i mentioned earlier by ulysses describes vasovagal syncope as a type of fainting that happens when blood pressure and heart rate suddenly fall typical triggers include seeing blood or experiencing a great deal of emotional stress and then it says a little thing about anxiety as well anxiety is a sensation of concern apprehension or distress regarding a potential future occurrence, or uncertain consequence, which I personally don't really know if that's, like, the best definition of anxiety, but, yeah, we'll just go with that. So, um, the book states that some, these are just some, so they're not all, but some typical causes of vasovagal syncope are, um, having your blood drawn or seeing blood, which I personally, whenever I, like, Get my blood drawn. Actually the last few times I had to get it drawn a lot for like health reasons and agutane and all of that, which we've talked about in past episodes. So I've definitely had my blood drawn a lot, but the first half maybe of getting my blood drawn, I would say passed out almost every time. So that one definitely feel like is true. Um next typical cause is great apprehension or distress another one is spending time standing, another one is severe pain, which, um, I've definitely experienced that, like, when I have severe pain in my body somewhere, it's, like, so strong that it can cause me to, like, feel lightheaded or pass out, and, yeah, the whole pain in the body is, like, another kind of one that I haven't quite always understood, but... I think when i was doing emdr therapy that helped a lot of understanding like i don't know again emdr is such a like a unique experience and so it's hard for me to explain what that felt like and how i could literally feel like the pain in my body kind of moving as we like process and did the emdr itself so severe pain for me checks out Um, another typical cause is dehydration or excessive heat which is very true. Obviously, I think dehydration and excessive heat could kind of be normal for most people, but the excessive heat one is very true. Like if when you have vasovagal syncope, from what I've understood, is your body is really, really like more sensitive to extreme temperatures. So whether that be heat or cold. So like if you're in a room and someone else is in that room, they they may be kind of experiencing like, the room may feel cold to them, but to you it feels freezing, like, because your body just doesn't regulate the same, so that one is so true, I normally feel it with heat, like, if we're in a space, and, like, the heat's not, or wait, the air's not on, is what I meant to say, and it's really hot, like, I feel like my body's overheating, even if the people next to me are, like, oh, it's just, like, warm, or it's not that hot, like, to me, it's uncomfortable, um, another cause is straining while urinating or having bowel movements, which happens to me more than I'd like to admit. I think a lot of my episodes in the beginning um, happened during some sort of straining, whether that be using the restroom or straining my body, like like physical exertion, those sorts of things um, would cause me to pass out as well, or strains like... Um, there's another one I'm thinking of. Maybe it will come to me later, but... Um, another one is sneezing or coughing, which I've never experienced passing out from either of those. Another one, not eating or fasting. Um, this one I, I've i learned pretty quick <laughs> that I need to, like, constantly have food in my system in order to, like, keep my blood sugars high since, you know, your blood sugars and blood blood pressure are affected so much you don't want to be, like, on an empty stomach... Um, I don't know why they put this one in here again. Extreme temperature exposure, which we talked about, and then abrupt posture or adjustments, like abruptly standing up, which, again, that one's pretty common for a lot of people. Um, And so then it goes on to talk about what some uh, vasovagal syncope... So those were causes of it, but these are what symptoms can include. Um, and again, these aren't all of them, but these are all of these I experienced. So for me, that's all of them, but, um, nausea and lightheadedness, tunnel vision or distorted vision, which has happened a lot more this past year than I had ever experienced. Um, and it's very scary, a sweaty or cold complexion, which happens right before I'm about to pass out. I'm like sweating like no other, even if it's freezing, Um, consciousness loss obviously fainting fast heartbeat or palpitations confusion or fuzziness feeling drained or feeble Um, and then it said another common symptoms could be worrying overthinking excessively instability or agitation being tense and alert intolerance or frustration avoiding particular circumstances muscle stiffness or tension having trouble focusing or having racing thoughts and then having trouble falling asleep Which, all of those, when I was reading this book, I was like, okay. (laughs) They just really had to write this book about everything that (laughs) I feel like I experienced. So, that's just a little bit of an overview. And then, like, other parts of this book kind of talk about, like, um, what you're supposed to kind of do in order to help yourself. So, there's no real, like, known cure for vasovagal syncope which is very frustrating for sure and i find it frustrating too but i think what's most frustrating for me is something i've like kind of come to the conclusion more recently is when people so like let's say and again it's not like no one it's not like people know how to handle it um but for me it's just like when people will say Let's say I had an episode and I had to leave something or an episode happened and people witnessed it or whatever. When people say, um, oh, you should talk to your doctor about it or do you know what's going on? And I say, oh, like, I do know what it is and I do know what's going on. And I tell them, like, what it is if I feel comfortable to share. And normally the response that I get is like, oh, I hope your doctor helps you figure out like how to, like, heal this or move forward or whatever, and it's, like, I've literally had it since I was 12, like, and again, more seasons have been way more intense, like, there's a season in college where I don't think I had an episode for, like, six months or more, like, there's been stretches of time where it's, like, been very non-existent, so it may come across as, like, this isn't something I struggle with, and I think it's something I convinced myself had gone away. But from what I've learned is it's not something that's ever going to go away. It's just something that I genuinely, like, just have to learn how to manage. In other seasons of life, it will be easier to manage. In other seasons, it may be harder, and that's okay. But I think that's, like, the thing is when people kind of, like, they're trying to, like, console you and say, like, oh, like, I hope something gets figured out or you get answers. And it's, like, I kind of have all the answers I have right now, and I don't mean that in, like, a hopeless way of thinking about it but more in just a realistic like this is my reality and this is just like something I've talked a lot about with my therapist is like this is just the battle that the Lord's chosen to give me and like I can't constantly yes I can hope for a solution or for it to go away one day and that's not wrong to hope but also I can't become hyper fixated on trying to like solve it and cure it and I think that's something just the Lord has taught me so much of like we're all gonna have some struggle in life and like I'm a firm believer that our struggles lead us to be more empathetic with others and that is such a blessing to have those struggles because of that reality but I think it's also hard to come to terms with the fact that like this is something you might have to live with there's a time in my life where I was like, no, I don't want to live in that kind of reality. Like, everything can be curable and all of that. But, like, part of me has also come to this, like, feeling of, like, well, maybe the Lord doesn't want to take this away right now. And that's okay, and I have to be okay with that. And I do think, or I know for sure, that these episodes and my experience with just my health and my body has truly propelled me to like lean on the Lord in a a way I probably would never have on my own if I hadn't been experiencing these things. So I do see the blessing in the fact that like this struggle and like my testimony are very intertwined. Like the Lord is constantly using what I'm experiencing either to empathize with other people or draw me closer to Him and really build my trust in Him and it's a very humbling experience, so, that's just kind of, like, my, I don't know if problem would be the word, but I guess, like, problem with people trying to, like, I don't know, like, just hoping that there will be an answer, and I'll get it figured out, and I'll be back to normal, and, I like, same, I would love to be back to, like, whatever normal would look like for me, but... I think it's hard when I've been with so many friends in different seasons that haven't seen what that's looked like, the more my, like, vasovagal side. And so that, this past year when that really came out and I was having a lot more episodes all of a sudden and feeling sick and going through all the things, and it's like people in my life were like, I'm like, how do I explain that this isn't something new, but this is just way more intense than how I've experienced it before? And, yeah, it was just... A hard thing for me to navigate I think too because I had a really hard time accepting the fact that like oh I thought this part of my life of like sh- this really intense struggle was over like I thought I already did this battle in high school and now here I am doing it again but I'm in grad school and planning a wedding and working two jobs and two hours away from my family who the last time this kind of thing happened were like my main support and really like got me you know a lot of help and versus now I'm like I felt very alone when I was you know out in Riverside and kind of doing it felt very much on my own like my fiance's two hours away my family's two hours away like yes I have close friends here but they all have lives going on it's not like someone can sit and stay with me all day to make sure I'm not like falling into just this depressive state and so it's like the Lord being like okay you need to fully learn how to one sit and be with this like uncomfortable reality but to like lean on me and put your trust in me and that was really hard and I think now that I I would say I'm definitely out of that season, not that episodes or symptoms don't pop up, because I think that's just, like, part of life for me, but I haven't had a fainting episode in a while, which is, praise the Lord, because that's just the worst, so I'm really grateful for that, but I have had symptoms come up, um, I mean, throughout the week, yes, but, there's times where they come up a little bit more intense, but it's it's nothing I've felt recently that I can't manage um I like compared to before where I felt like I couldn't manage any of it, so I have been doing well or weller is not a word, but better than comparatively to past season a few months ago, so I'm grateful for that, but I definitely feel like my body's in a recovery process. And yeah, I just learning how to navigate that. But anyway, going back to kind of the learning more about what vasovagal is, in case you are struggling with this or you know someone who is, I think like I love listening to podcasts where I get to learn about things that I don't really know about. Specifically, more recently, I've been listening to, like, random podcasts about, like, parenting or a lot of, like, health-related, like, food or fitness or all these things because it's so fascinating to be like, okay, like, there's just so much beyond my own little world, so maybe this helps you understand it a little bit more, but um, the book Talks about recognizing some of the causes of and dangers of the basal vagal. So, a big thing which I think people don't understand with facial vagal is a lot of it can be triggered due to emotional stress. Um, which I personally think is very, very true. There's been seasons of my life where I'm like, okay, this episode is probably not triggered by something like super emotional right now, which is like fine, but. If you, like, so for vaso, I'm, like, trying to think of all the words, but vasovagal syncope falls under a category of dysautonomia, which dysautonomia, from my understanding, is a form of, like, dysregulated automatic nervous system, so essentially what all this means is, like, your nervous system isn't functioning properly, or what we would say normal, even though it is quite common for people to have dysautonomia, more th- nowadays and I don't know if that's just because more people are like like know about it and so it's being talked about or what but definitely feel like that is due to um again like all the trauma stuff that people have experienced but um yeah emotional stress is a big one and emotional stress compare or paired with kind of anything else like any of those other symptoms so like if you're emotionally stressed and dehydrated um causes a drop in blood pressure or if you are exposed to high temperatures it can widen your blood vessels which lowers your blood pressure and causes fainting or there's some medications you can be on that can make it worse or sometimes better there are some medications that people take for different forms of dysautonomia um that say are effective which i can't really speak to any of that but um they also say that younger people and younger women um i don't really know what younger really means like do they mean younger as in like 10 to 20 or do they mean 20 to 30 or 30 to 40 i don't know but they say that younger women are more likely to experience vasovagal and um yeah so some of the things you might be thinking okay what do you do to like manage this and again this looks really different for a lot of people so like some of these things i've tried and they don't work for me or they do but a big one is obviously (laughs) to avoid triggers so not standing for extended periods of time or being exposed to heat or if you do know you are in an environment where it's like a potential episode could happen Speaking up, telling someone, letting them know like, hey, I need to either step outside or do this or whatever you need to do in order to, my goal is always to not faint. So I'm just really trying to reduce the number of times in life I faint because I know going unconscious that many times cannot be good for you, even if I do feel better afterwards. And I always want to make sure that I am in a safe place where if I am going to faint, like I am flat, which being flat helps because it gets the blood back flowing back to your brain, which helps you gain a little bit more, like, you're less dizzy, less lightheaded, so whenever I'm starting to feel that way, it's always best for me to, it kind of depends, sometimes it's best for me to, like, go outside and walk around, and, like, get my blood moving that way, or just to, like, lay flat, Um, but, like, really listening and knowing your body and knowing what your body's telling you is so huge, and it's, like, such a skill that a lot of people don't have, and I didn't realize... I didn't have that skill of like listening to my body or knowing what was going on until this kind of stuff started happening and I was kind of forced to be like in tune with myself so um you can also make sure that you're eating a nutritious diet and drinking lots of water um lots of water they recommend that you drink um or you have extra salts, if you have syncope or dysautonomia in general, I think, like, you need excessive salt, is what they say, so I definitely try to get in a lot of salt, whether that's through, like, drinking um, salt-like electrolytes, or salt water, or adding extra salt to my food, and salt has changed the game. I truly think that my diet, not purposely, but just was lacking a lot of, like, salt and magnesium and electrolytes and things like that and so since adding that in more it really helps to stabilize my body um and then they also say um for like management compression stockings which I haven't really had that need for compression stockings with my experience a pacemaker um doing CBT therapy, which is helpful, and then you have to avoid or limit your consumption of alcohol and caffeine because both both of these substances can cause um, vasovagal. So I feel like that's something not a lot of people know. Um, I choose not to drink for, like, well, not even, like, I would always say for health issues, but <laughs> not even for vasovagal reasons. I choose not to drink because, I just don't think alcohol is good for our body and like I'm already addicted enough to sugar and I know that's not good for my body so why add one more thing so I really just feel like not consuming it like not making it a part of my life like just makes it easier to not think about so I also do know that like same with like coffee or caffeine or alcohol like they don't make vasovagal symptoms any better they make them worse so I'm like why would I do that to my body if I'm already trying to heal it so I don't drink or consume I have caffeine every once in a while if I have a chai but it's really not enough to like make me feel worse normally so that's that um the book also kind of talks about um techniques for lowering your stress and anxiety if kind of going back to like that emotional space where there can be emotional triggers so um again with this book it's not like anything i hadn't already known due to my own therapy but i'll go over it with you guys um it just talks about using cognitive behavioral therapy which is a form of talk therapy that helps um, clients recognize and alter unfavorable thought and behavior patterns and then practicing mindfulness, positive self-talk, doing re- relaxation techniques, which breathwork really helps. Um, I My mom got me this um, breathwork prayer book that was really helpful and um, doing like box breathing, anything to regulate your breathing because you don't realize how powerful that is. And when you're about to pass out, like your breathing is just not normal, not regulating So or regulated so you really need to like focus in on that and having something toothed to focus on that's not a million other things and you can just focus on like the the breath work and the breathing that can um help to calm you down but again it's not like something I've learned is like just because I'm doing breath work doesn't mean I'm not going to pass out it just is helpful um and then progressive muscular relaxation, which this one's always really hard for me to do in the moment, but I do know when I have done it, it's been really helpful. But um, you basically go through like different parts of your body, and sometimes you can do this in th- therapy with a therapist to guide you through it, or so that you know how to do it on your own later. But you basically alternate the, like the tension and relaxation within each muscle group. That you have and I can't remember the like scientific reasoning behind it but I know it basically like lets your body know it can calm down or something like that um, they also say yoga or meditation which I love doing yoga workouts at home um, they're more of like the workout kind than like the meditation type of kind um, and I'm not a huge like meditator but I do need to, like, be more present and sit still. I know that. So, um, those are helpful. And then, yeah, uh, it just kind of talks about, again, eating well, exercising, which that's another thing. I think with vasovagal, the book talks about it a little bit, but because your nervous system is so unregulated comparatively to, like, someone else, you can't expect your body to function like other people's and I mean it like you can't expect yourself to do like a high intensity more stressful workout that like yes you'll get endorphins yes you'll get dopamine like all those things but it won't be relaxing and grounding for your body like it may be for another person and it's kind of hard for me to explain now that I'm, like, trying to say it out loud, but basically, like, what your body needs is, yes, it still needs movement, but it needs low-intensity workouts, workouts that aren't going to up the cortisol because your body is naturally already overproducing cortisol, at least mine is. It's overproducing cortisol, and you're having these reactions, and, like, a strain during a workout or something that's too strenuous could also cause you to pass out. That's something that I've learned, too. So It's, like, you need to be doing workouts that are, Low intensity, um, not to say you can't do hard things or you can't be strong, but sometimes the like pushing yourself to the extreme and doing the hardest, longest, most intense, sweatiest workout with the loudest music like sometimes that's not actually healing for our bodies and it's creating more of a stress cycle. And I'm kind of in this space recently where I'm like, even if you don't struggle with Any form of dysautonomia. I kind of believe we all should be doing lower intensity workouts. I don't know my full thoughts on that, but I do feel like, for the sake of our overstimulated nervous systems and our bodies and the brain, our brains like the way we are just like constantly oversaturated, overstimulated by our world. Part of me is like, why are we going to bring that into a workout, which is supposed to be a space of like healthy healing and movement for our body i'm like why don't we bring in some calm not that every workout has to be some slow yoga workout but it can also be a lot more relaxing than we've made working out to be but that's just my opinion some people maybe they need that cortisol boost that comes from working out in really intense spaces so to each their own but that's something that i really had to learn of like okay my body may not be able to function in every state the way that other people's can like there's some seasons of life where, like, maybe running is really good for me, and it feels really good, and my body feels better after running than worse, and then there's other seasons where it's, like, I just ran half a mile, and my body feels so weak, so sick, like, not just the weekend like, I haven't worked out, I'm weak, but, like, the I'm going to have an episode kind of week, because there is a difference that I can feel, so... Yeah, just really being in tune of, like, okay, what is my body telling me? And what am I going to choose to listen to and choose to do different? But it's really hard because it's, like, you're watching your peers function different. And I I feel like I struggle with this all the time. And I've voiced it to some people. But it's, like, it's hard to watch. Like, let's say, for example, mmm. I don't want to give any specific names cuz I don't want people to like feel bad but like just people that can function in a different capacity it's hard to watch for me without being like envious of like I wish my body could go at that speed and I wish my body could keep up with that many social events or that many or that kind of physical activity or whatever it is and yeah I I just all I'm saying is it's hard, and I just empathize with the person that goes through that. Um, because growing up, like when I was 12 or younger, honestly, up until this year, if I'm being quite honest, I did not know a single person that had either a form of dysautonomia or vasovagal syncope. And so in my head, I kind of had created like faith, you are actually making this up in your head and it's not real um and just being really invalidating towards myself and wanting to kind of like I guess kind of like gaslighting myself like you're not really experiencing this and it's not really real no one else knows or no one else no one else that you know struggles with this or has this so like how can you really be the only one and then there's already not like a ton of research on vasovagal because it's not as common I mean it's common but like not compared to other things so it just felt very much like I was in my own little bubble but the Lord just blessed me this past year with having a supervisor who was like I also have she has a different form of dysautonomia but like she's had to learn how to live really different and come to terms with things and rest and be okay with that and like yeah we had lots of good conversations and just like lots of realizations came to me from our time together and afterwards just like okay the lord is really trying to show me something here with this and i've really put it off for a long time um and something my supervisor encouraged me to do was to join a facebook group uh f- other people living with, um, syncope and I did have Facebook at the time, but I had to make one for, like, work and marketing and stuff, so I was like, okay, well, now I have Facebook, so I might as well join one of these Facebook groups, and when I tell you, I don't mean to be dramatic, literally could make me cry, reading the stories on these, like, Facebook pages has been the most, like, validating experience and I have felt like so much I feel like it feels really dramatic but like I felt so much freedom in reading these stories and being like oh my gosh like this was also happening to someone when they were 12 or there there's like this woman on here on there and she'll share her story of like she's 60 now and she started having experiences of this she was 13 or whatever and it's like okay one it's kind of sad because it's like okay this obviously, will probably not go away, but also, like, there's just so much freedom in knowing you're not alone in something, and obviously, I don't know these people. I don't have personal relationships with them, but their stories or the things they post of, like, hey, does anyone have advice on how to deal with this or what helps your symptoms or should I go to the doctor or ER for this reason or whatever, like, I don't go on it often because I don't need it to, like, I don't need basal vehicles to consume my life too much, but I do want to be aware and stay educated and feel like I have some form of community um, that I can, like, turn to because it's not something common for, you know, my close friends to experience, so it's kind of, like, you know, hard to bring that to them. But, like, going and reading these stories has been such a good experience, and I'm like, wow, they're... One is so much bravery in not just the fact that they're sharing, but through just what they've lived through. It's mainly women that post on there, from what I've seen, but from these like women that are posting, it's like there's so much bravery and strength that you've gone through. And despite like your symptoms and what you experience, like the same things I feel like I experience, you've still chosen to make a life for yourself and make it work even though it looks different than your peers and I just it gives me so much hope and encouragement especially with the field that I'm in uh, of like having a supervisor that can do it and then seeing these other women that have been able to do it I'm like okay and knowing that the Lord has put this calling on my heart of what I'm pursuing career-wise it's like okay I can do it it will just look different and maybe with a lot more like breaks or stepping back or saying no um that I would want it to, and obviously there's a balance of like challenging myself, but you know, if I've learned anything this year, I've learned that I've, I tend to, I tended to, because I don't want to say I do do it anymore, but I think from probably elementary school up until this past February, (laughs) I have tended to, um, expect, unrealistic expectations of myself and to push myself to be uncomfortable for the sake of maybe my pride of like saying I was able to push through something and do hard things and I don't think that's wrong to be able to push through and do hard things but I think my motivation behind it wasn't to I don't know it was just to be able to keep up with my peers and to be able to be like oh I could I did that too and kind of feel worthy about myself in that capacity that like oh I'm worthy of like validation and praise and I'm on the same page or level as my peers because I'm able to keep up but that keeping up was terrible for my health and my mental well-being and I just don't believe the Lord has called me to live like that and there's so much freedom in saying no and staying back and I feel like this has been probably my least social year of life, and that's okay, like, it really is okay, and one day I want to get back to a place where I am more social and doing things, but I'm also, like, very content with the balance that I feel like I've struck in taking care of myself and listening to, like, the nose and the wait's and the not yet's and all the things, so... That's just personally where I'm at with it. And again, like, what I've learned with facial of Bagel, it's, like, one, I'm constantly learning new things about it, but two, my feelings or my thoughts can also change on how I view it. Or, so, like, who knows? Maybe in the future I'll be like, no. Like, you need, do need to start challenging and pushing yourself more, and that that will be okay. But for now, I feel like I've had a lifetime of challenging and pushing myself. And in the end, for me at least, challenging and pushing myself to do the most, be the most, to do all the things, to be all the things to all the people, it really, for lack of a better word, burnt me out and made me kind of collapse. And I had that humbling moment back in March where it's like I physically, my body can't and mentally can't function or perform in the ways that I have. And... I feel like I've said it a million times, but it's just a humbling experience, so I definitely know that, like, vasovagal, at least for me, vasovagal, anxiety, the panic disorder, the IBS, like, all these things, I wish I could just call it one thing, like, it's all very interconnected, and I don't like to think of myself as someone that, I mean, I joke about it, for sure, I joke, oh, I have IBS, or I have anxiety, or whatever, like, maybe that's me coping being relatable, it's like, yes, these are things that I experience, but I don't want them to necessarily be my label, and I do think all of these things are very interrelated, and I just wish there was a name for, like, all of them, of, like, oh, that's, I mean, I guess people do that with, like, trauma, they're like, oh, that's just my trauma, and so I'm like, this is just the way that my, (laughs) maybe trauma is just manifesting, I'm not sure, still on that journey and learning about it, but That's just what I've learned about vagal specifically a lot in this past year and trying to navigate, like, how do I want to move forward? I don't want this to be something that ever limits me, Um, but also having a sense of reality. Like, okay, I don't want this to be something that limits me, but that's not to say that there won't be times where I will be limited because my body or whatever can't physically keep up at whatever pace that i or others may be demanding and that's okay that it can't keep up and yeah it's just a lot of navigating and being gracious with myself and that's very hard i'm like i'm feel like i can be pretty gracious with other people but being gracious and having different expectations for myself is hard so that's just what i've learned i again hope this was really helpful for understanding either what someone's experience with facial Vagal could be like, or what mine is, or if you have it and you're like, finally, someone that's talking about it. I wanted to kind of look up different podcasts, um, because I've watched a lot of different random, like, YouTube videos with people talking about their experiences, but... I did want to start listening to podcasts about it just to see if I could gain like any more insight or information. But I do honestly feel right now pretty at peace with just like, I don't know, pretty at peace with trying to find an answer and trying to fix it. Because I've already done that a million times before and it just, it's an exhausting process and it can feel really hopeless. And so, yeah, I'm just at peace with the balance of things now and just, like, knowing how I personally can choose to handle it and take care of myself and also leaning on the Lord to, like, provide wisdom and discernment, so that's gonna be it for today. I felt like this was a way longer episode than I thought it was gonna be, but I know it's also not a common topic and it's kind of complicated and there's a lot to understand i'm sure there's a ton that i missed um this book that i've been referencing it i got it on amazon and i don't know why it's like 70 pages i thought it was gonna i mean it's great resource if you're really like just learning about basal vagal but it basically what it felt like to me was a printed out version of all the articles i've ever read and just like compiled into a little book so it didn't feel like any super unique information to me so i would save your money if you already feel like you know a lot about basal syncope. but it is nice to have kind of as like a little reference guide of like what the heck is going on with my body so uh, that's what i reference. but I hope you guys enjoyed i hope that next week's episode i'm not quite sure what i'm gonna talk about but i hope it's a little bit more mix of fun and lighthearted because i felt like i bounced between like i feel like heavier episodes or like more informational and then just like silly random really didn't have to make this episode kind of i like the halloween one and then now you go straight to this so Oh, that's something I was going to say. I hope everyone had a great, fun, safe Halloween. That's actually another thing maybe I could talk about in some future episodes. But I I know it's not just me, but I have just been having some convictions recently about all sorts of things that make me feel like I'm being too much of like, I don't know, like a legalistic Christian But also I'm like, no, I feel like the Lord is convicting me of certain things that like we as Christians do because like it's normal in our culture or our world to do. And I feel like the Lord's being like taking blinders off of things. So I don't know, I'll have to formulate my thoughts, talk to a few of my girlfriends like I do before I like put that out in the podcast. But I definitely have some thoughts regarding, you know halloween conflicting thoughts regarding halloween and christmas and just the way we celebrate in america as general in america generally i don't know lots of things too clearly too many thoughts to even speak properly but let me know in the like rating and review section if you like today's episode or any of the other ones and if you have any suggestions you can leave them there too And I will see you next week for a fun, hopefully (laughs) funner episode. Bye.